When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, managing editor of Fightful.com here. It is September 20th. List and your boy, number 38. I'm joined by Jimmy Van, also of Fightful.com. I'm trying to get as much dead air in here as possible. Oh, because before we went on the air, yeah. Jimmy told me how much he hates it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Remember the long pauses you used to do? I did. You don't do I those as much it. anymore. No, man, I'm get, I'm supplemented up. It was... Hey man, I you know I, I work a lot, so I get a little exhausted, and I would have to process my thoughts. I don't even think about what I say anymore. Right. Lucky you. Did you ever? I mean, I did then. Uh, well, you've come a long way. I think you're doing a good job. Tell me first about Florida. How was that? It was an experience. I enjoyed it. It's, yeah. I'm not gonna put it above Toronto in my favorite cities list or anything, but it, it was a lot of fun. I got to go to the NXT tapings. Yes, that's that right. That was cool. Right. As I told Joe. That was cool because that made the trip tax deductible, so that's that's nice. Um, got to go to Universal the next day. Unfortunately, that was not tax deductible. Uh, really wish that it was, uh, but that was a very, very good experience. My wife has wanted to go to Universal forever. Took her to a Titanic museum because she's a Titanic buff. That's cool. Hogan's Beach Shop. We did the zombie laser tag type of thing. That was cool. Uh, we saw some friends there, played some pirate-themed mini-golf. It was a good time. It's all right. I had fun. Did you, uh, you, you, you told me something about how you took a shit at Universal? I did. I did. Nigel, can you believe, so, so we got to tell people that we have Nigel a little bit mic'd up today, uh, a little bit better than, than normal. Sean actually texted me to say he was taking a shit at Universal. That's... I didn't text you to say that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. I did text Matt Riddle to tell him that. Let me Let me read the text, because... I had talked to Matt on on Thursday, and uh, I didn't reply to him until Friday. I didn't have any free time. You okay? pulled the riddle on Riddle. I did. I, I wow. I guess you could call me the Riddler. The Riddler. Yeah. So I, I replied, and I, and I just replied to him. He goes, "Nice delayed response, Sean." And I said, "Sorry, I'm taking a dump ski at Universal Studios, bro." To which he replied. You are a genuine piece of trash. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that Matt Riddle actually got on you for being late to respond. How ironic is yeah, that, Nigel? That, that's the way it works, man. Wow. That's the way it works. But I, I had a good time. Those NXT tapings were really good. A long, 
about an hour and a half too long for me. Right. But I mean, they, they ain't doing it for me. Right. They're doing it for them. Uh, a lot of good stuff on that show. That I encourage everybody watch to watch the Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gargano match because it's one of the best matches I've seen this year. It was outstanding. Wow. And I saw your Kyrie Sane uh, video clip on YouTube that you put up. That's cool. Yeah, I'm putting up a lot of clips. There are some that I'm waiting to put up because I don't want WWE to crawl up our ass about spoiling their show. So, oh, did they do spoil- that? On occasion, oh, yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, they they put a copyright claim on the sanity video I have, but just because they wanted to monetize it instead of us, right? Uh, which I didn't even try to monetize it, but they they flagged it, and because it had the sanity song, they're like, "Well, you can keep it up, but we're gonna monetize it." I'm like, sure, whatever. I think Nigel could do a very long podcast talking about how YouTube likes to uh, retroactively discount our trig tent videos. Yeah, pretty much. In terms of not only views but revenue both, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's what what YouTube does. Like a year or two ago, you could make a living on YouTube. Sure. It was a very possible thing, and there were a lot of people – like, I mean, a lot of wrestling podcasters who – don't do what um, what I do or what Alex do. Like as far as the content creation, they do they did straight videos and podcasts, and they made a good living. And YouTube kind of ripped that mm-hmm. from them, and mm-hmm. it's a bummer. It is. Well, I'm glad you had, to, had fun in Florida. I want to do a little plug for the new uh, giveaway that we're doing on the forum at Fightful.com. I have yeah. I have another one of these bad boys right here. Gonna give this away. He's not dead yet. He's not dead yet. No, he's he's alive and, and well. So we're going to give that away. Why don't you explain how that contest works, Sean? Yeah, I decided to make the contest just really, really simple now. Uh, over, I need to actually move the thread. I accidentally put it in the in the uh, boxing open discussion, but I will. I'll just send a link around. That way, it's it's a little bit easier. Go to the boxing forum on Fightful.com. Uh, basically, all you got to do is start a forum topic anywhere. Then you go back to that topic, the contest thread, and just write entered. That's all you got to do. Just start a thread about anything, anything you're passionate about, anything you care about, anything you want to talk about. Start a new thread, then head over to that contest uh, field over in the boxing forum. And, yeah, it's pretty simple, and I think uh, I think we'll get a good response out of that. But definitely check that out. We're looking to grow those forums. And uh, we got a ton of stuff this weekend too, Jimmy, before we even get into the show. Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor. I'll be in the live coverage for that. I'll talk about that on Sunday after No Mercy because uh, we have a live podcast after our new No Mercy coverage, and that's a loaded show. Friday night, UFC Japan. Saturday night, Bellator 183. And right after uh-huh. Bellator 183, myself and Showdown Joe are doing a show there. If you all missed myself and Carlos doing the Triple G Canelo show, check that out on FightfulPods.com. Carlos, man, I learned something about boxing. Like, you know, when you hired me, I was like, all right, I can hold my own with the boxing stuff, but I'll need somebody, and Carlos was that somebody, and I learned stuff from him. Every time I'm on a show with him, every time I read that newsletter, he drops on Thursdays. So uh, big shout-outs to Carlos Toro for really carrying that podcast, and that was one hell of a fight, too. It will, it was. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, first, I want to talk about Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I, I know that you guys talked about him on the post-Raw podcast. You talked about him on the post-Smackdown podcast. And a lot of people have said a lot of things. And I don't want to take up a bunch of time kind of regurgitating what's already been said. Um, I do want to say this. So so first off, the Tampa Bay Times have reported that the cause of death was organ failure caused by uh, the throat cancer that he battled for many years, like 15 years. Uh, 
the term greatest of all time gets thrown around a lot in pro wrestling and in pro sports. And it's overused to a degree. But I think when it comes to managing and wrestling, Bobby Heenan was the greatest of all time. Um, I was thinking about, you know, my favorite memories of Bobby the Brain Heenan. Because, you know, a lot of people have talked about the quick wit that he had and the gift of gab that he had and his color commentary work. And he, was, he had such great comedic timing and all of that. And that's all true. Um, but another thing that made Heenan so great was that he could convey when he was angry. He could get the people to hate him and boo him when he wanted to. Did you notice that in WWE specifically, his guys were always at the top of the cart? Always. Yeah. They were always challenging Hogan. They were always challenging the Warrior. He always had the top guys. And uh, my favorite, one of my favorite things about Bobby the Brain Heenan, do you remember the WrestleMania three press conference? I don't. So it's probably on the network, and, and if it is, you should look it up. So prior to WrestleMania three, there was a press conference. I believe it was in Detroit. Uh, Andre, his balance wasn't that good by then. He was having a lot of back pain. So Andre was sitting at a table. Mean Gene Okerlund was hosting it, and Bobby Heenan was uh, representing Andre. And there was a, a scene at the beginning of it where Heenan, because you know Heenan and Okerlund could play off each other really well, right? And at the very beginning of it, Heenan's standing next to Okerlund, and uh, Mean Gene's trying to talk to Andre, and Andre is no-selling the whole thing. And uh, Mean Gene is, is saying things like to Bobby the Brain Heenan, like, why are these guys going to fight? Why does he want a title shot? Hulk Hogan looked up to him. And without even thinking about it, Heenan would go, that's because he's 7'5". Mm -hmm. Like he just had one-liners like that. And then finally, when Okerlund was trying to get Andre to talk and trying to get him to talk, Heenan goes, uh, do you want to take him out back and slap him around a little bit? And all of the reporters, which were mainstream reporters, just howled at, at Heenan's yeah. one-liners. He was, he was the king of that stuff. But uh, like I said, when he needed to get the crowd to boom, he was great at that too. I don't know if you remember the Kempatera story. I don't. Uh, man, I'm teaching this stuff today, Sean. There, were, there, was a, there was an angle, Nigel might find this interesting, there was a wrestler named Ken Patera, he was a U.S. Olympian, and in 1985, he went to jail for real for two years because he threw a rock through a McDonald's window uh, after a live event, <laughs> after a live event, it was him and I forget the other guy, it might have been Mr. Saido, and they were hungry after a show, and the McDonald's was closing, and they got upset, and they threw rocks through the window, and the police were called, and there was a skirmish, and Ken Patera got two years for that. Prior to going to prison, he was part of Bobby Heenan's stable. When he was getting ready to come out of prison, or when he was out of prison, uh, Mr. Man decided this is a great story. We can turn Ken babyface, and we can have him feud with Heenan, and the story can be that Heenan screwed him, forgot about him, let him rot in prison. Uh, and there, yeah. there was a great segment they did on syndicated television where they had podiums, and they were doing a little debate, and Patera was saying to Heenan, uh, you were supposed to be, uh, you told me, you promised me you were going to be with me. You promised me I was going to get a title shot. And he goes, you want a belt? I'll give you a belt. And he took off his belt and started whipping Patera. <laughs> and then Patera took the belt, wrapped it around his throat. Irish whipped him across and then yanked, uh. on, yanked on the belt. And Heenan, let me tell you something. For a guy that was probably 30 pounds overweight in the, in the mid to late 80s, that guy could fly, Right. He could bump yes. like nobody's business, and he did a complete 180 when the when the when the belt was jerked back, and uh, and then uh, the, the story was that he got a neck injury from that. He was again. Everybody's talked about his wit. Everybody's talked about the humor and the color commentary. That guy could get it done in the ring when he needed when he needed you to to, to hate him and to yeah. boo him. 
so it's unfortunate. I mean, he he struggled for a lot of years, and you know, for a guy who had that gift of gab, the fact he lost his his voice was unfortunate. It's heartbreaking. So uh, my my favorite story of Bobby Heenan is one I learned 15 minutes ago when John Morehouse published a story on Fightful.com. Jim Ross says, in some of those buildings, the older buildings, before they had automatic flushers, whatever you left would remain there until it was flushed manually. I don't know how Bobby Heenan did it from a nutritional standpoint, but he would, like, save up to do number two, and he always made a beeline to Vince McMahon's office. Uh. <laughs> He'd go into Vince's private office in the arena. You've seen it before. I've been in it. All the protein bars and the shakes, it looks like a store, a health food store. Hina would make a beeline straight for the can, sit down, do his business. Be careful that he didn't trip any triggers or nothing so that everything was left there and would be remaining there because normally old Vince would come in, run right to his bathroom. So that was greeting him. He did that all the time. Oh, nice. Nice. Ah, oh, man. Well, I, I, I consider him the greatest wrestling manager of all time. And, uh, and to me, it's not even really close. Yeah. So. It's hard for me to think... Like, who's number two? And you like, maybe a Cornette, maybe a Heyman, but I think about that, and to me, it's almost like John Jones versus everybody else in the UFC's light heavyweight division. Yeah. Almost, I mean, that's kind of what it is. There are a lot of really, really great ones, yeah. but like, you look at it, and you're like, man, there's no, there's no contest. No. Almost undefeated in that regard. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you could, you could have a lot of guys for second place. Like you said, you could have J.J. Dillon, Jimmy Hart would probably fit yeah. in that category. But there was only one Bobby the Brain Heenan, so uh, my condolences James to Ellsworth. his... James Ellsworth. <laughs> yeah. My condolences to his family, but the guy had a hell of a life too, right? So, yeah. Uh, I want to ask you, and I don't want you to go on a rant for 10 minutes, but I want to ask you... Like, like you do every time you tell a story? Oh, I don't do that. No, I get right to the point, Sean. Yeah. I, uh, why are you laughing, Nigel? Hey. Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you about this what culture situation... Um, uh, yeah. Because you used to work there and because they have a wrestling promotion. Apparently one of the guys that quit was the on-screen general manager for their promotion. So uh, what's going on with what culture? Again, no 10-minute rant. Now, i got to say, I'm very unfamiliar with these guys. I missed these guys by like a year. But, I mean, the founder reached out to me, the one who I had issues with, and said, What's up? I didn't know you felt this way. And I'm like, well, you did, but... Uh, we got to talking about it, and I was like, you know, you're losing the faces of your website. And the reason I know that is because anytime I talk about it, people mention these people like, oh, that's who you worked for? And I'm like, no. They were, they were something completely different a year after me. They did – what culture was basically the reverse Fox Sports. Have you seen how Fox Sports pivoted to video and – now they got they have 10% of the traffic they did 6 months ago. Okay. What culture pivoted to video and they shot through the roof. They had some really talented guys and by all means it looks like those 5 guys have moved on elsewhere. Mm. What that means for what culture pro wrestling, I don't know. Uh, you know, I worked there, I had a poor experience there. It's on a members only podcast. It ain't tough to find you guys. Uh, go check that out myself and David Bixen span talk about it at length so I don't have to hear go to the members only show. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're taking a big, big hit of that because I mean, I never watched their videos, mm -hmm. but I appreciated that those guys would cite some of our stories mm -hmm. on occasion, they cited like a Ronda Rousey story and stuff like that. 
So that's that's definitely a big hit for them. And you know, a, a lot of times people will outgrow their situation and stuff like that. And I think that was the case for those five dudes. There's one guy on their site that I do watch and I'm a fan of, and that's Simon Miller. He's a very he's a very entertaining, funny dude. But other than that, I'm not that familiar with them other than seeing them, you know, like on our sidebars and stuff on whenever their stuff would pop up when one of our videos are playing or a WWE video. But it's it's a big hit for them. But, you know, there was there was a former employee who aired his grievances about the founder on after that announcement. And I read it and I said, you know what, that's word for word, pretty much my experience there. Mm-hmm. And I've worked for probably eight or nine different outlets, and that's the only one even resembling that type of mm-hmm. type of situation I had. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. okay, so yeah, that's okay. Really it. They they had five important guys leave. Right, and do you know if the wrestling promotion is going to remain, or you don't know about any of that stuff yet? Or I would be shocked if it remained. You would be. I would okay. be shocked. Okay. Oh, that's or if it, if it remained through 2018. Right. Like I maybe they'll try to give it a go, but right. right. Okay. Uh, so I want to talk about the Triple G fight, uh, and uh, yes, this is boxing, this is not pro wrestling, but you know what, sometimes real life brings about wrestling storyline content, Sean. Hey, we're Fightful.com. We are Fightful.com, but this is a wrestling podcast, but the reason I want to talk about this is because this situation, this is pro wrestling, this situation, and I think that people will find this interesting uh, just because of what's going on. So... Um, Boxing's popularity has declined over the last 20 years, let's say. Over the last few years, it's gotten worse. This year has been a rarity in that it's, uh, boxing's had some good, uh, some good nights. Uh, the Mayweather fight was obviously big. Last weekend was uh, Gennady Golovkin against uh, Canelo Alvarez. That was a big fight. The Joshua Klitschko fight was pretty big. So this was a rare year, but in general terms, boxing has declined in popularity. Last year, Oscar De La Hoya called it the worst year financially in the history of boxing for 2016. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that you can look at as to why that's the case. Why has boxing declined in popularity? Uh, and it's pretty simple in some cases. I mean, the inability to create new stars in North America, especially in the heavyweight division, that's a problem. The increase in popularity of MMA, that's a problem. Uh, a lot of fans, I think, have gotten accustomed to shorter fights and to definitive finishes as opposed to long 12-round boring fights, which you get a lot in boxing. So that's, uh, that's an issue. Um, but one of the big issues that's been long-standing in boxing, and it, it reared its ugly head again last weekend, is corruption. And there's long been corrupt, corruption in boxing. There has long been situations with greedy promoters uh, that pay off the right people or they get in the minds of the right people and they kind of sway the, the decision to go one way over the other. Um, I actually did a little bit of research this morning because I remembered a couple things that had happened in recent years. So Paulie Malignaggi, who's the same guy that had the little thing with McGregor where they sparred together and all that, all that nonsense. In 2009, uh, he fought in Houston, Texas against a guy named Juan Diaz. And Paulie Malignaggi's from New York. Going into yeah. that fight, before the fight even happened, Pauli Malignaggi said straight up on television, if I don't win a lopsided, dominant fight, if I don't either knock him out or if I don't completely dominate this fight, I'm going to lose on the judges' scorecards. Because mm-hmm. the fighter's from Houston, the show's in Houston, and I'm going to lose. And what happened? He went out there, and on the ringside media scorecards, he won the fight, a close fight. 
uh, but he lost on the judges' scorecards, and there was one judge named Gail Van Hoy that scored at 118 to 110 for Diaz, meaning that they gave Malinaji two rounds, even though the ringside media thought Malinaji won a close fight. Malinaji, in his post-fight interview, actually called out one of the judges by name and said, that judge is a Golden Boy gopher. And he was, he was referring to Golden Boy Promotions, which is Oscar De La Hoya's promotional uh, company. Uh, one year later, or one year earlier in 2008, there was another fight, uh, again with Juan Diaz in Houston against a guy named Michael Katsidis. And that particular fight, Juan Diaz dominated the fight. It was a completely lopsided, you know, fight in favor of Juan Diaz. And it turned out that he won a split decision. One of the judges actually gave the decision to the other guy, Katsidis. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Max Kellerman, who is one of the HBO uh, analysts, he said straight up on television, it's because of corruption. He said, how is it yeah. possible that a judge saw this fight for this guy? There's no chance that he won the fight, and it's pure corruption. And so last weekend, this Triple G fight against Canelo Alvarez, I watched the fight. I thought Triple G won. I thought it was a close fight, but I thought Triple G clearly won. And there was a judge named Adelaide Bird. Uh, who scored at notorious one, for bad decisions? Right, and she scored. Notorious. She scored at one eighteen to one ten for Canelo. Canelo is Golden Boy's fighter, Oscar De La Hoya's fighter, uh, and clearly politically, uh, Golden Boy needed this fight. They needed Canelo to win the fight. They needed it to be close because they wanted a rematch. Because they need they need some successes. They 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 got a lot of misses and they needed some wins. And uh, again, it's come out, uh, a lot of people are calling corruption. A guy named Teddy Atlas, who works for ESPN, has straight up said this is pure corruption. There's another guy named Brendan Schaub, who does, uh, he's an MMA fighter, he does podcasting. Before this fight even happened, he said the same thing Malinaji said about his fight. He said if Triple G doesn't either knock Canelo out or, win a, or have a completely one-sided dominant performance, he's going to lose on the judges' scorecards. And that's exactly what happened. Or it ended up being a draw. Uh, but I thought Triple G clearly won the fight, and there's no way he lost 118 to 110. So what do you think of all this? I mean, this this to me has been a long-standing problem in boxing, where these judges, they're either being paid off, or they have a bias going into the fight for whatever reason. Uh, and uh, and it's been a long-standing problem, and I think it's hurt boxing's popularity. I think there, there have been too many disappointing efforts where fight fans get excited about a big fight and then it ends up either a draw or the wrong guy wins or something, something political. What do you think about that? So, well, first off, I, th I think they're, that boxing is looking a little more promising on the heavyweight front with Anthony Joshua and with Deontay Wilder. So that that's promising. Klitschko leaving. Tyson Fury doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Right. That's a bummer. Uh, but ju just to address that, for Adelaide Bird... I think it's more about him being inept, or her it's being a, inept, yeah. her being inept than anything. Because for years she's had these terrible scorecards, and yeah. like I said on yesterday's Holy Smokes MMA podcast, which uh, you guys can check out over at FightfulPods.com, it's like she took the crown, like C.J. Ross when she was forced to step down. She took the crown off and said, "Here you go, my girl. It's yours now." It's all yours. And she opened up this land of bad judging to Adelaide Bird. Mm -hmm. And if you, and it's so funny if you ever see Adelaide Bird, like her glasses I know. Yeah. tell the story of her judging. It's yeah. real bad. So I don't know if it's if it's her being inept or if it's corruption, but it was bad. It was egregiously bad, <sighs> that scorecard. And it happens all the time. She's the one that gave the infamous 
Melvin Gillard 3027 over Jamie Varner scorecard that is still referenced today. I think we need to start marketing 118 to 110 t-shirts. It's not a bad idea. We're going to do that. Also, like just a shirt that says 111 punches landed with a shamrock on it. Did he? I said, no, we oh, should. Oh, we should. We should. Okay. Why not? Okay, okay. Might sell some of those. Well, maybe you shouldn't be saying this stuff on the air publicly, Sean. So good job on oh, that. Well, you know. But, uh, I've, already, I've already trademarked these ideas. I, I can't help but think I, – I think Vince McMahon should hit up Oscar De La Hoya, and he should try to book him as a heel authority figure uh, on shows on shows either in Texas, in New York, or in Vegas – because uh, I think we've seen enough, you know, whether it be guys calling before the fight even happened, that because Golden Boy was involved, something was going to happen. Or Pauli Malignaggi years ago saying, I knew I had to win definitively because he's a Golden Boy fighter. It's happened so often for so many years that tells me, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I think there was something yep. clearly corrupt that happened. And it's such a shame. It's such a shame because it's not like Canelo got killed. So even if he lost the fight, but it was a close, say, 115-113 or something, how is that going to do any damage to Canelo? You know what I mean? They could still have a rematch. Yeah. But uh, but this judge felt the need. It's it's unfortunate, man. And this has been a constant thing in boxing for so many years. That uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the rematch. I think it'll be really great. The first fight was really great, too. Yeah, but it's just unfortunate that they that this is the, the way they went to get to that rematch. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing. I mean, it seems to me like somebody in Golden in Golden Boy was kind of in the ear of one of these judges, like Adelaide Bird, and kind of let them know what they needed. And uh, yeah, whatever, man. It's unfortunate. So, uh, how's our time today? Uh, J- Jimmy, come on, be natural. No, man. I got to make <laughs> sure when you? I'm going to get into a big topic, Sean. I gotta make sure I watch my time. That's called being professional, Sean. I mean, that's we can talk called. about Impact changing their name again. I think that's good for five minutes. You want to talk about that right now? Why not? I mean, Jesus Christ! Is it official? I'm sure it'll be. It'll be like Mid South Wrestling by the end of this show. <laughs> so who gives a damn? Is it official? Somebody had the balls to say to me, Jimmy. If this were WWE, you wouldn't even be making fun of this. I'm like, what are you talking about, man? Oh, like, we absolutely would. We absolutely would, but the fact is, WWE has changed their name as many times in the past 37 years yeah. as Impact has since January. Yeah, I think that if if, uh, if Impact was my company, and if I made these decisions, and if Nigel didn't call me out on it, I'd be, uh, I'd be disappointed. Because uh, it's been now, I will say one thing. So, um, what you're referring to is they're they're doing the Bound for Glory taping uh, in Ottawa coming up on November 5th. They're going to have five days of Impact tapings in the same building. I think it's the Aberdeen Pavilion in Ottawa. And the press release didn't make mention of Global Force. It only made mention of Impact Wrestling. One thing I noticed, yes. but I, I don't know if it makes a difference or if it means anything. Uh, the GlobalForceWrestling.com website made no mention of any of this stuff. The ImpactWrestling.com website did. Uh, and again, I don't know if that means anything, but the, because the Global Force website wasn't updated that often, like not not you know regularly, so uh, mm-hmm. it may mean nothing. But I don't know. I guess the other question I have about this whole thing is the last set of tapings Jim Cornette was brought in as an authority figure. Jesus Christ! Right? It's pretty common knowledge that Jim Cornette cannot get into Canada, and he no, has no interest, I don't think, in getting into Canada anyway. Do you think that once again the powers that be at Anthem didn't know that when they booked Ottawa, or do you think they just didn't care? 
they shouldn't care because he's not important to the show. Agreed. But uh, Agreed. It's, their on-screen chaos with authority figures really reflects the backstage. It's, it's like it's art imitating life is what it is. Right. That's what that is because it's been a carousel backstage over who's in control and who's out of control and mm-hmm. what the situation is. And they've had Pritchard and they've had Dutch Mantel and they've had – uh, Dixie Carter, and they've had Jeff Jarrett, and mm-hmm. they've had Jim Cornette. Mm-hmm. How long until it's just Ed Nordholm? Oh, it will be. Booking himself on TV. I think so. And and I, I will say one thing about Ed Nordholm. Even though he's been very inept in a lot of their decision-making, and, and he's been fodder for a lot of our uh, a lot of our commentary here, and, and rightfully deserved, I think. I will say one thing for him. He's been honest in his explanations for things. And uh, yeah. he was quoted in the Ottawa... He has been, and he was quoted in the Ottawa Citizen, which is uh, the major newspaper in Ottawa, when he was asked about the venue that they picked, the Aberdeen Pavilion. Uh, he said that they picked it because of its size. He said uh, getting an, selling an arena would be hard to do, especially over so many nights. And this is a direct quote. He said, we wanted to make sure even by the last night there was still a good crowd and a good feeling. And so they're hoping that they can get 500 fans a night. I really think, no, I, I actually went to school in Ottawa. And uh, I'm familiar with the area. It's going to be in an area called Lansdowne Park, which is a nice part of Ottawa. Uh, there's a football field nearby where the uh, CFL team used to play. And uh, maybe they still do, but they used to anyway. And um, I think getting 500 fans even the first night is going to be very difficult in Ottawa. Very difficult. It could be. I think It could be, yeah. I'm not, I'm not as familiar with the area. But I do know it's Ottawa in November. Well, at least it's not outdoor. If it was outdoor, they'd be in big trouble. Well, look, did you see how flimsy it looks? It looks flimsy. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the building. I know you guys were joking, I think, on the Raw show, calling it a uh, airplane hangar. Flimsy. Flimsy, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, I just think 500 fans a night, especially after... Because they're going to be doing six straight nights of, of tapings between the pay-per-view and the impact tapings. Very yeah. difficult. It's going to be very difficult. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, Ottawa is not a hot town for the WWE. I think they, yeah. I think they, they do Toronto like every three months. I think they hit Ottawa every other time that they do Toronto. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a, a real challenge for them. But it makes sense that they'd be doing shows, you know, locally. I, I, sh- I showed Sean actually information about the building. I showed you what the rent is, and it's pretty reasonable, right? Yes. For, for, for a building that size, so. I can understand why they'd be doing it, but uh, imagine that those that talent they they need a different looking environment. They need to do something different, and right. if it, if it's successful, then more power to them. I also spoke to uh, a couple of guys who have worked for Impact Wrestling in the past. Mister Anderson, some of you know him as Mister Kennedy, and Sean Devari. We spoke about uh, their indie loops. We spoke about their relationships with WWE. Take a look. There's something to be said about an independent schedule is more grueling, even though you're working less because TNA and WWE or whatever, when we were working for either one of them, it was, they kind of plotted out for you. Whereas like, I remember in 2011 or maybe, I don't know, but one time I did 22 days on the road straight uh, doing independent. So I went to Japan for two weeks. I came home to do some indies and then I went to Europe for like a week and a half. And I remember it was – I'd done like 18 days with WWE before, but this is, you know, just four days longer than that. But it was so taxing and so grueling not having – like, you know, WWE loop goes like this, and then you fly home. Or a TNA loop would go like this, and then you fly home. This was like 
Asia, United States, the South, with Texas, where I live, to catch a connection to the East Coast, to go to the West Coast, to fly to Europe. It was like, after 21 days, I felt like I'd been on the road for three months. It was so taxing. Sean, what's your contract status like right now? When I talked to you last year, you were still with Lucha Underground, but I feel like you, you worked that one match in January. But due to their, their filming and broadcast schedule, it's always kind of tough to tell who's still there or not. Yeah, I got. I asked for my release last year when um, I was I was supposed to do a program with the guys. He wrestles Ezekiel Jackson in WWE, and then we set yeah. up right at the end of season one to have a program in season two, and then in between season one and season two, he quit. So it was just kind of like I showed up and I was like, uh, "What's going on?" And like, "Well, Zeke quit, so we have nothing for you." I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, and and the TNA, it's it, or sorry, not TNA, Lucha Underground. It's it's not like. WWE or TNA where they guarantee you money, you just get, they guarantee you seasons and then you get paid per appearance. So all of season two, I literally was sitting on the shelf and they're like, finally like, okay, for the season finale, we'll have you come in. We're going to start an angle with you and Paul London to go into season three. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, me and Paul had a match. I was really happy with the match and everything. And then I'm sitting at home like three months later watching the season finale and the match got cut. And I messaged uh, one of the writers and said, hey, what's going on? Like, I, I just watched the show and you cut me in Paul's match. Like, yeah, we decided to go with a different direction of Paul. We're not going to do that. And I'm like, fuck, am I going to sit home for all of season three again too? And then, uh, you know, I just messaged him. I said, look, it's not a, it's not a heat or nothing, but can I have a release from my contract? If you guys decide something for me, I'm available. Like, WWE's not calling me. TNA's not calling me. But let's just, let's just not have me locked up with you guys. And if nobody calls, which probably will happen, if you guys do want to figure me in a season three, just call me back. And they, it was kind of very amicable, like, yeah, because I was signed up through six seasons. They said if season two gets picked up, then you're locked in through season six. This is at the end of season one. So season two did get picked up, and so I was locked in through six. And I said, hey, whenever you want, call me. I'm no heat, no problem. I'd be happy to come back if you ever need me. Fortunately, they're doing so well, they haven't needed me. So I, I just kind of chilled, and, um, and, you know, I'm not expecting a phone call from them back, but I really do feel like, Everybody says it's always amicable, but this one actually feels like for the first time. Even I say it all the time. There was, I know, like when I didn't resign with WWE, I said it was amicable, but I think they were kind of like, "Who the fuck are you?" type type thing. But I really feel like this Lucha Underground one was they were okay with it and they understood as well because they didn't have to. They could have said no. They said no to a lot of people that asked for releases, but they said, "Yeah, we we get that." How are your relationships each with WWE? I mean, Sean, I know your brother's there, obviously, so. I think they're I think they're both as healthy as you can be for people from the outside looking in. Have you spoken to them, or are they vice versa about the school, or maybe any recommendations or fishing for talent? Um, I just went to the NXT show and talked to Matt Bloom, talked to Shawn Michaels for a couple hours, and um, you know, just it's a it's not a business relationship. This point, it's just a relationship. There's no heat or anything. Like that, as far as I know. Yeah, myself, I've, I haven't had any. I had conversations with Triple H uh, when I was done with Ring of Honor in like 2011, and then I really just haven't had any conversations with my brother. I started working there, and then the last two times he was in town, I went down and had a really small like powwow with Vince. Just me, my brother Vince, and the Ed Ryder SmackDown, and nothing came of it. But I think. Regarding me and Ken, I think they always kind of have their ideas of who out there is available if they want to, just kind of like we saw with Shelton. Like for the longest time, they knew Shelton was available, and it's one of those things where if you're going to hang in the balance, I don't think they mind um, 
grabbing you and just seeing like, let's see if this guy will pan out. But if you're someone like Shelton or Ken or, you know, myself, for example, I think they'd be like, if we have something specifically for Ken, we know we can call Ken. And like, like Shelton, like they, they could have signed Shelton and benched him, but they just said, why? Let's just let him earn a living wherever he wants. And then when we have something specific for him, we'll give him a call. And if he's available, we'll make something happen. So, Davari and Ken Anderson running their own school now seems to be doing well. I saw a virtual tour of the facility, and it's a really awesome-looking facility, so I encourage people to check that out. You guys will be hearing more from them uh, moving forward. They would be hearing from Ring of Honor's Punishment Martinez, but unfortunately the four-segment interview did not record properly, but I had a great conversation with uh, Punishment Martinez recently as well. We will have live coverage of Death Before Dishonor that he's wrestling on this Friday, and I still got enough to get a couple good stories out of that too. So, did you be tell on the lookout him, for that, guys? Did you tell him it didn't record? No. Are you kidding <laughs> me? Have you seen him? <laughs> if if you awesome. saw him, if you saw him, you would be like, ah, yeah, I probably see why not. <laughs> I will I say mean, one I got thing: content to make the interview worth it. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say one thing about Sean Devari. I really appreciate his honesty because how many times have we seen interviews with guys that are not in WWE because WWE is not interested, but they make like, ah, fuck WWE. I could work there if I wanted to, and I don't want to deal with the politics, and I don't want to deal with this and that. When in reality – dog Billy Gunn when they got fired. There you go. And in reality, they would come running in a second. Sean Devari had the balls to be honest and say, you know what? They haven't called me. I'm available. They haven't called me. And uh, and I appreciate that because you can see right through the bullshit when these guys, you know, say otherwise. So yeah. Um, okay, I want to talk about the Junior Mahal promo, and I, I I really want to hear what a guy like Nigel, that's not a wrestling fan, I'd love to hear his opinion. Oh yeah. On on what happened. So Nigel, quick little recap: Jinder Mahal, <laughs> a Canadian who's portraying an Indian. Yeah, I mean, he is Indian descent, but he's portraying a you know from India Indian. Uh, and his character is that he claims that American fans are prejudiced and they hate him because of who he is and because of his background. And so he's a bad guy for that reason, right? And that's been his spiel for months. And he does these anti-American promos and that's kind of how it's been. Um, last night on SmackDown, we're taping this on September 20th. So last night on SmackDown, he did a promo again about Shinsuke Nakamura, who's a Japanese wrestler that he's going to be wrestling at Hell in a Cell, whenever that is, Sean, next month. Uh, yes. And during this promo, and I want to make sure that I get a couple of these right, so I actually wrote them down. During this promo, uh, he said a few things about Shinsuke and about the Japanese. He, he said, find people of Japan, feast on feline, and dine on dolphin. He said, uh, Shinsuke, you always rook the same. Uh, he also uh, claimed that the American people refer to Shinsuke as Mr. Miyagi. Okay. Um, and then what kind of made it even worse is that he went on to accuse Americans of prejudice after he just got through, you know, several minutes of prejudice himself. He accused Americans of prejudice and he said they'll turn on Shinsuke just as they turned on gender. Um, now, we've talked about this kind of content before, Sean. I'm not offended by it, and I'm not insulted by it because it's pro wrestling, and because Vince McMahon has done a lot of crazy shit over the last 30 years, and so you almost come to expect it. The one thing I will say, though, is do they think that Jinder's getting good heat 
doing that, especially given the times and given everything that's been happening with all the protests and the and the fights and, and all the movements and everything, do they think he's getting good heat? Do they think people are going to pay money to see Shinsuke Nakamura beat him up at Hell in a Cell? Because that's what a good heel is supposed to be. I think it's really foolish that they're going down this road. And you saw the attendance, right, for the, for the second week in a row. So, Nigel, last week they were in Vegas for uh, SmackDown. And uh, somebody took a picture of Ronda Rousey, who was at ringside. You could see the side of the arena behind her, and it was empty. Last night, they were in Oakland, California. Wade Keller, I guess, was at the show, posted a photo during the show. And again, one, one side of the arena was completely empty, and they moved those fans to the other side so that it looked full for television. Things aren't working out, man. I don't think they're working with Jinder. I don't think they're working with the storyline. Uh, Sean, what did you think first off? And then I, I'd love to hear. I, Nigel's mic isn't working, so you can't go on a long uh, rant. But I'd love to know what Nigel, as a non-wrestling fan, thinks about this nonsense. Well, regardless of what I think, I know that that's what they think because I talked to a couple people in WWE today. Also, they said that Vince McMahon is getting a little more, ironically, saying liberal with his with what gets on his TV. We saw him bleed last week. We mm-hmm. saw this this week. We've seen a lot of it. He's he's open to pushing the envelope a little more. They think this is the right kind of heat. It's not. No. Nobody's showing up. No. Nobody's showing up, man. And I said this last night, like, you know, I was waiting for all the comments, the the liberal cock flake and all that crap. I didn't really get any of that. Everybody was pretty uh, – I don't want to say everybody. I don't want to generalize. By and large, everybody pretty much said, yeah, that, w- that was a little much, like – even beyond it not it not offending me, it just wasn't good. I agree. And and there were, I, you know, I've got Asian people on my timeline on my Twitter timeline. They were they were like, yeah, I was offended because I do experience this every day in my life. So that kind of sucked. Hmm. And like I said, like he's not Muhammad Hassan, and he's never gonna be Muhammad Hassan. That's that was how this gimmick would have worked mm-hmm. in the Muslim character twelve years ago. And like I said last night, I'm fine with that type of gimmick because I wrote 6,000 damn words on the thing. Like, it can, it could have worked back then. Mm-hmm. It ain't working with him. It's just not working with him. And now what they're doing mm-hmm. is they're compromising the integrity of their guaranteed market to try to break into another one that they think is going to be, like, huge. And... And I agree I with that. I agree I with that. What I'm doing, but, but they're sacrificing the integrity of what they have on their show right now. It's the same thing that TNA did for a couple of years with that Mahabali share of bullshit. Right. When I had people in TNA saying Mahabali share sucks and he will never get it, and said at least Jinder Mahal is committed, and then I see the guy mess up his finish on a WWE pay per view, and I'm like, well, well, does he? Does he get it? I mean, honestly, that finish, you, you, you've talked about that. I don't, I'm not bothered by that finish too much. What does bother me, though, is that Jinder now, in theory, has enough stroke as the WWE champion that you would think he would want to have some creative input. And I know that he said, I think on Jericho's podcast, or maybe it was in an article somewhere, he claimed he had creative input. There's no yes. fucking way. There is no way that what he said on SmackDown was his own creative thinking. 
and if said, it was, he's a, if it was, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. I think he said what he was what he was told to say, and that's why uh, we were able to get his Punjabi promo. He did like twenty five seconds in Punjabi. We were able to get it transcribed because in English last night he said, "If you think what I just said went too far, wait until you hear what I say in Punjabi." So I got it transcribed, and as it turned out, it was mild, and I think it was mild because that was really gender, right? Because he yeah. knew he knew the guys in the back don't understand Punjabi. Mr. Mansur as hell doesn't understand Punjabi, so he didn't have to go push the envelope because nobody was going to know any different. Uh, I agree, and it's, and it's funny because when Jinder was on Jericho's podcast talking about how you become a star in India, he said being on the roster is not enough. You have to be at the top of the card. You have to beat top guys. I don't know how they think that they're going to win the Indian market by having this guy show blatant prejudice against a Japanese wrestler. How is that somebody that they're going to want to get behind? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, and I feel for Jinder, man, because I do too. this whole run has done nothing for him, and, and it's not his fault. Well, it's, it's done a little bit for him. No, but what I'm saying is it, it's done nothing to solidify him as a wrestler. And when he loses the title, which he will sooner than later, what's going to happen to him? Right? Maybe well, he'll get a couple of rematches. They're going to India in December. Yeah. And they haven't posted. They made the conscious decision to not post that promo on YouTube. Right, right. It was the whole thing was a bad idea. It's yeah, not, I feel it, bad that this is he, that he's getting his big break now, yeah. and this is the stuff he's forced to do. And maybe he doesn't feel like he has enough stroke to say, "No, I'm not doing this." He's got to step up. I agree. He's got to say something. He's got to be like, "This is this is lame." This is really lame, and that's how I always thought that the catalyst of a Singh Brothers babyface turn would happen is them going off on TV and saying, you're misrepresenting our people. Right. Cut the shit out. And you know what? I understand it takes time to get comfortable, too. I mean, yeah. John Cena wasn't changing things up his first year in. Bret Hart wasn't changing things up his first year in as far as being a top guy. It takes time to get comfortable. And that this is why I always shit on Roman Reigns, because Roman Reigns has now been a main eventer for three years, and he's still not having as much input as he should have. And yeah. uh, and gender, yeah, I really wish that he would have the, the balls, I guess, to tell Vince. I don't think that's the way to go. But he's doing what he's told. Uh, this morning, uh, a woman named Marissa Payne, who's a sports writer with the Washington Post, she noted on Twitter that she's doing a story about racist promos, and she was looking to talk to anyone that attended the SmackDown taping in Oakland. So, uh, and, and how is that going to be positive press for WWE when that comes out? You know, so Nigel, what do you think? Uh, hearing about this, about this Canadian guy portraying an Indian doesn't like Americans because they're supposedly prejudiced. Now he's blatantly prejudiced against a Japanese wrestler. How does that make sense? Just sounds like a mixed bag of bad decisions, honestly. And, it's what it is. And honestly, like it just—I feel bad for the guy. Just, yeah. yeah, I agree. And and you know, the other thing I was thinking too. So when this segment wrapped up, what do they do? They go to a backstage segment with Shinsuke, right? Yeah. Shinsuke, if he's there, how is he not running out? And kicking everybody's ass. Yeah, like how, how are you making him look good? They literally buried everybody with that whole thing because they made Jinder look like a jackass and they made Shinsuke look like a coward for not running out. So yeah. uh, it's doing nobody any favors. And again, Interesting note, out of 132 title reigns, WWE title reigns, by the time Hell in a Cell rolls around, Jinder Mahal will be at about the 32nd longest out of those 132. So he's had a pretty extended reign already. And if God, if it lasts until 
December when saving money on exterior wall lights now at Menards find your style with Patriot lighting exterior lights enhance the look of your home choose from over 50 options from Patriot lighting now through May 19th get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in stock outdoor wall lights check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com When the India tour is, right. oh my God! Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, speaking of uh, somebody that should try to utilize a little bit of creative input, what about Mr. Dolph Ziggler? So uh, I got to tell you, man, I I watched that segment on SmackDown this week, and after he did the first, because I what is this, the second or third week in a row that he's mocked these entrances? Third, third week in third. a row. So after the first week, I'd had enough of it. Right? It was done. Then he goes and he does it again a second week. Now he goes and does it a third week. What are they trying to accomplish with this? I know you think it's going to lead to a feud with Bobby Roode and that he's going to do the glorious entrance and all that. How are they putting any heat on Dolph again so that you're going to want to buy a ticket to see him get beat up? It's so repetitive. It's painful to watch. And I know Anna said this on the post-Smackdown podcast. Uh, how ironic that one of those entrances that he mocked was Shawn Michaels when... Our biggest criticism, or at least my biggest criticism of Dolph Ziggler over the last year, is that he's kind of called it in in, in in the sense that he's become Shawn Michaels. Not only did he change his gear, and not only did he start using the super kick as his finisher, but he started tuning up the band, like yeah. Shawn Michaels. And now he's mocking his entrance as part of his little character. I don't understand how they think this is going to get him over at all. Like, how is this doing anything well, for Dolph Ziggler? Those entrances do pretty decent YouTube numbers, at least comparatively speaking to others so, uh, that on that show. So, I mean, I guess there's that. But to me, I just – I'm just like, damn, wish SmackDown would end every time that – my I tweeted. I said, I wish I had to take a shit right now when that happened. <laughs> like – You know what's funny about this is since you're on your shit theme this week, when we get to stupid people, I have a shit story. So we're going to awesome. let that theme continue. But uh, is is Road Dog still heading up SmackDown? Yep. He is. Yep. Okay. okay. And something that he said, let me let me point it out. Uh, <laughs> I saw a funny tweet, and you know, I I respect Road Dog and Justin Labar. I like Justin Labar a lot, but they were talking about why numbers and stuff were down and. Road Dog was like, oh, well, traditionally September is bad for sports entertainment. And the mom was like, yeah, with new shows and school starting, all that stuff. I'm like, cut the excuses, man. Put on a good show. I agree. Cut cut the shit. Put on a good show. I agree. Like, in the whole time that, that we've done this website, Jimmy, yeah. like, the only thing that you've really pointed at, like, okay, maybe a dip after WrestleMania. That's it. I don't give a shit if it's September or January. Right. I want my numbers up. Right. I'll do what it takes to put on entertaining content and keep my numbers up. I don't give a damn if there's a friends reunion on. I don't care if somebody's <laughs> go, going to school. I don't give a shit. I want my numbers up. I want to do good. You I don't do toss good. in a towel. I'm not like, oh, you know what? 205 Journalism 101, on Nigel. What do you think, bud? Yeah. 205 Live's on tonight. We better mail it in. Enzo's cutting a promo. No, I don't yeah. care. You know what? I, I, I will say this. It would be very easy for, for a guy like Road Dog to say, well, we're handicapped because all the good talent's on Raw. 
right? It'd be easy to say that. But at the same time, they got Shinsuke Nakamura, they got Kevin Owens, they got AJ Styles. Granted, it's not Road Dogg's fault that Vince Man wants Jinder Mahal to be the WWE Champion. And it's not Road Dogg's fault that Randy Orton's been calling it in for about seven years. Uh, imagine, but, uh, imagine if Kevin Owens just came out. He's somehow out of this situation. Kevin Owens is going to be more over than he's ever been when this is all said and done. Yep. And whatever he is, he's the one that beats Jinder Mahal. Right. He's going to be huge. Be great. He would be huge. Yep. That would be the only – like, I mean – he has a real chance to be special when a guy like Edge sees that and he says the post headbutt Kevin Owens has the opportunity to be one of the biggest things in WWE. Right. I believe it because Edge is a guy who saw his peaks and valleys and would always change his character up accordingly. Right. Like he came back in his hometown and got booed and he immediately went backstage and said, turn me heel. Right, like, and uh, last week I think Owens was in three or four segments on SmackDown. I realize they can't do that every week because he's a heel, and and right now he's not a main event heel as as far as his position. Yeah. But uh, he's the best thing on that show. And and yeah, last, doubt. last week with him in three three or four segments, it was a more entertaining show than what they typically deliver and what they delivered this week. So I don't know, man. <laughs> I did I enjoy know. Baron Corbin last night though, because every every Tuesday I bust his balls about how. Renee Young will come up and go, what are your feelings on the attack by AJ Styles? And he goes, what are my feelings? So what he did was cut off Renee Young and go, what? What do you want to know? You want to know how I feel? And then he re-asked the question to himself that he cut her off and asked. And I was like, you son of a bitch. (laughs) You son of a bitch. Good for Barry Corbin. You know he's one of my favorites. I hope they push him in the main events on a weekly basis. Let's go, stupid people, Nigel. All right. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. So first and foremost, I have a disclaimer from last week, Sean. Oh, yeah? And, uh, and when you know that I have to uh, have a guy producing that works on a conspiracy theory website, a political website, he was able to catch <laughs> this. So last week I told a story about a guy that tried to marry his computer. Uh, as it turned out, even though, yeah, I guess he still is a stupid person, but as it turned out, he was doing that for political reasons because he is a anti-same-sex marriage activist, and he was doing that to prove a point. So Nigel pointed it out, uh, and I think you showed me a video clip on YouTube that had this guy talking about this kind of stuff, and that's all it is. It's a political movement that he's doing. So a yeah. uh, little disclaimer on that one. We, uh, we're starting to get submissions by readers and by listeners for this yeah. segment. And uh, I got a couple of good ones this week. Uh, and again, I try to stick with the, with, the, with the theme, with the content you like. I try to keep it going. Toilet humor, that's Sean Ross Sapp's thing. My forte. So, I, forte. To, I threatened to put in people's address to poopsenders.com if they said that Roman Reigns was a baby face. So, yeah. Okay, so the first one was submitted by listener Mike LaSera via Twitter. It was reported by Fox 11 in Los Angeles that a gym in Worms, Germany, and it's ironic that the town is called Worms when this is a penis story, Sean. Oh. A gym in Worms, Germany. Goody, goody gumdrops. (laughs) A gym in Worms, Germany had to call firefighters to help free a man who got his penis stuck in the hole of a five and a half pound dumbbell plate. Yes. Yeah. It took a grinder, a hydraulic saw, and three hours to get the man free. 
So well, we know him. why. Well, we know why Ellsworth wasn't on SmackDown this week. Yeah, he was in Worms, Germany, for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, this next one was reported by a wonderful publication called the Southeast Missourian <laughs> on, on, <laughs> on September seventeenth, and uh, and there's a funny uh, funny little ending to this, which is the reason I've kind of put it in here. So, thirty four year old Kevin Coomer from a place called Burfordville, Missouri, was jailed on charges of second degree burglary and second degree arson after posting photos on Facebook of himself standing in front of a burning bar and grill in Delta, Missouri, called Jax, J-A-X, presumably no relation to Nijax. He included the caption, Burn in hell, Jax Bar! <laughs> and he, po- he posted this. <laughs> on Facebook. He posted oh, a photo. Man. So he was taking a selfie in front of the burning bar with the caption, Burn in hell, Jax Bar! <laughs> He's got to have mental problems. Like, that's got to be like some sort of there. Either that, or maybe he spent a long time in prison, and he just doesn't like the way the world is on 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 the outside, and he's trying to go back. Maybe, but uh, I couldn't help but think of a wrestling storyline like this: a man yelling, you know, "Burning Jacks" or "Burning Hell," Jacks Bar. Oh yeah, of course. So that was a good one. This last one uh, was submitted by a listener named William Ortiz via Twitter. Um, I know you've seen this one. This one went pretty viral. According to CBS Channel 4 in Denver, police are searching for a woman who has been seen repeatedly defecating in a neighborhood while out running. A witness says the runner is doing it in her neighborhood at least once a week for the last seven weeks, and so they've nicknamed her the Mad Pooper. The Colorado Springs Police Department has gotten involved and say the runner could face charges of indecent exposure and public defecation. Talk about having the runs. <laughs> Am I right? Ba bum bum. That was good, man. That was oh, good. Like I mean, hold on. Again, gotta be a mental issue. We had a person here in Kentucky at the University of Kentucky, a serial foot stabber. Really? He would crawl underneath UK library desks and stab people in the foot. Really? They never caught him. Hmm. And now he's the managing editor of Fightful.com? <laughs> I would never stab somebody's feet. But I'm more likely to poop in somebody's yard and then run. But the that's mad pooper, like, come on, like, know. you got a DNA sample. If that's this were an point. episode of CSI, they'd have this shit knocked out in literally in an hour. That's actually a good point. They have the DNA. You're right. Like, right. Gil Grissom needs to be on the case. I don't know what the holdup is here. <laughs> but, like... It it can't be that hard because I get the feeling that if somebody is going yard to yard taking dumps, they've probably been booked before. In you jail. think so? You think they want to get caught yeah. too, right? They probably want to get caught, right? I don't know. I saw like I saw the thumbnail. Like I, I think there's maybe a video out there. Of, I saw a photo of, of it. I saw she's she's wearing like typical like joggers clothing, like shorts and a t-shirt and the whole deal. So. I don't know. Did I, I tell you? Did I ever tell you the school story about the guy who broke in and took a dump? Yes, you did. Yeah, like like situations like that. I'm like, do you bring toilet paper with you? That's no, my thing. That was an impulse. Okay, but yeah, but I mean, this. Is oh, this. Bringing, like wet naps or like wet wipes or toilet paper or a napkin or a handkerchief something is she bringing it with her or is she just walking around running around in this case with duty butt? Mm-hmm. Is she just Running around like that, like that, 
I think that you should call the Colorado Springs Police Department and ask them if they've gotten any kind of evidence like that. Do you think Joe Kenda is on this case? Do you know who Joe Kenda is? I have no idea. He, it's a show called Homicide Hunter on uh, like Investigation Discovery, and he solved like 400 murders in Colorado Springs. Really? I'm shocked that there have been 400 murders in Colorado Springs, but hmm. you know what? Forget Gil Grissom. Get Joe Kenda on this mad pooper case. There you go. I will leave that with you. And I, I forgot to mention at the top of the uh, Stupid People segment, thanks to Trevor Strong. Go to trevorstrong.org to check out his song, The Stupid Song. So there you go. Um, Shayna Baszler. What do you know? WWE. She's heading there right now. No NXT? Florida. 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 Oh, so she, is she going to do NXT? Or do you not know? Yeah, from what I understand. Well... I just know that she's relocating right now. Okay. She's relocating okay. right now. She's literally driving across the country. So, okay. That's it. Also, also, uh, Paige at yeah. <laughs> the Performance Center, at her like urging, like they were like I know that a lot of people were kind of just like surprised that she was even coming back, but she's like I'm ready to wrestle. I want to wrestle mm -hmm, type mm -hmm. of thing. Like I think many in WWE were just cool with her writing out her deal and getting her downside, but. She mm -hmm. wants to wrestle. So WWE has softened their stance, from what I've been told, like significantly over the past week and a half, two weeks. But they don't know what brand she's going to be on. Mm -hmm. they, they still aren't sure yet, and uh, I, I think you got to put her on SmackDown. Absolutely. SmackDown you got to put her on SmackDown. Yeah. Now, I, I kind of question if she's coming back because she wants to raise her public brand prior to leaving the company because it will help her out outside the company, potentially. She's got a movie to push, too. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I can see that. Now, now here's the thing. How do you do that movie without including the the horrible things that happened to her earlier this year, the photo leaks? They just they they'll end it. At the, they'll they won't even get to that point. They'll probably end it when she won the title from AJ. Probably, yeah. yeah. That's that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So they're not even going to address any of that stuff. Uh, Sean, do you remember the Wrestle Vessel? I've heard of it. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a few uh, little details that I probably shouldn't. Um, so oh years, years ago, WWE used to do this thing called the Wrestle Vessel. Uh, and it was basically on a cruise ship, and all of the talent would be on it. And I think it was for like a week. Uh, and you could pay money to essentially go on the cruise with them. And this yeah. was in the late 90 period. Shawn Michaels, I think, was the champion at that time. And he, was, you know, he had the attitude that he had at the time. And Sonny was at her peak at the time. Um, I heard a lot of stories. I knew people that went on the wrestle vessel at that time. Let's just say I heard a lot of stories about certain married wrestlers that uh, were openly having trysts on the cruise. Uh, <laughs> and I heard certain stories about certain uh, valets that also had a pretty good time on the cruise. So uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because for whatever reason, um, Chris Jericho has announced that he's going to be doing something called Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, which is going to be a five-day cruise. And the thing that's kind of strange about it, it's a five-day cruise taking place October 27 to 31st, 2018. Yeah. Over a year from now, Sean. You got a plan for a cruise, man. For a year? <laughs> is that necessary? It's a little much. Now it's going to be they also the had the WCW Bruise Cruise back in the day. You remember that? Remember that one too? I remember that one too. Yeah. Now this is going from Miami to the Bahamas. 
Uh, it's scheduled to feature. This is what's interesting about it. And I was going to ask you, uh, because I don't keep tabs on stuff like this, when does Chris Jericho's WWE contract end? Do you have any idea? Is he still on three-month cycles? It's it's tough to say when his contract ends because he comes back and he leaves and he comes back and he leaves. But, right. I mean, he'll be clear to do this. I don't think he'll be wrestling on the show. But, of course, it's over a year from now. I don't he think may- he'll wrestle on the show, but clearly uh, he can he, he likely cannot be affiliated with WWE when they're going to be doing something called a Sea of Honor tournament hosted by Ring yeah. of Honor. I don't know. Maybe he could. Um, I think he pretty much has free reign to do whatever the hell he wants outside of WWE in that regard. I don't think he could go wrestle for Ring of Honor. Like, no, he won't. He won't. Like, I mean, Rob Van Dam can't go wrestle for Ring of Honor. Like, they, they WWE kind of has him sort of on a bit of a retainer type of thing. Right. Like, right. to just – and with an open door to come back. But Right. Well, yeah, the I saw some in- of the guests. I saw some of the guests, and I was like, oh, that could be interesting. But some of these guys, are they not on Legends deals? Jim Ross, Diamond Dallas Page, Mick Foley, Ricky Steamboat. Are they not on Legends contracts, these guys? Yeah, but they can still do stuff like that. They can I'm, still... just, I'm surprised, unless WWE's not aware of it, which is possible, I'm surprised that they would allow them to be affiliated with the crews that's going to have a Ring of Honor tournament on it. Even though I realize yeah. that relations are pretty decent with Ring of Honor and they've used Ring of Honor footage on the network before, so... Uh, I guess it's at all possible. If anybody is interested in going on the Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, Nigel, I know you are. Oh, yeah. If anybody else is interested, go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and you can book your tickets. I do not like open sea, and my maximum on vacation is about two and a half to three days. So five days at sea sounds like misery. They make stops, Sean. Doesn't matter. It sounds like misery. <laughs> uh, can you swim? Yeah, I okay. swam uh, Thursday, Friday night. Oh, that's good. Like in a in like a kiddie pool or like in the ocean. I have What's to ask the question, Nigel. I have to ask What's the question. What's next on your list, Jimmy? So uh, I guess we should talk about No Mercy. Should no, we? Mer- no Mercy is this Sunday, and yeah. uh, and uh, let's talk quickly about who you who your picks are. So the main event for the Universal Title: Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. Who you got? Based on the guy running the ship, I'm going to say Brock Lesnar, but if it were me, I'd pull this trigger on Braun Strowman right now. I would make him I would make him Hulk fucking Hogan is what I would do. So here's my question for you. Uh, I think Brock is going to retain the title. I don't think Brock is going to get a clean win over Braun Strowman. So my question for you is how do you think the finish is going to play out? There's no way this can be a DQ match or else it- – or uh, anything but a no DQ match or else it'll be bad because Braun needs to be able to tear stuff up. That's yep. Braun Strowman. That, that's him. Maybe a count out or something. I don't know. I think I just really, really think it is the time to put Braun Strowman over Brock Lesnar. I think right now. I agree. I agree. I mean, you, you look at uh, the Goldberg situation in WCW. Uh, similar run to, to Braun. I mean, his was even better. I mean, Braun, you know, had some setbacks with Roman Reigns. Goldberg had no setbacks. Oh, but, I, I uh, said on Monday's show they should bring Goldberg back for Survivor Series and have Braun beat him in 30 seconds. The it's way not a that bad idea. The way that Lesnar got beat in 30 or like that last year. Just throw him some money because that's a hell of a way to put Braun Strowman over. Have him beat Lesnar, then have him beat the only other guy to beat Lesnar recently. In uh, Goldberg, I think that would be a really good idea. That's not a and, bad idea. You know, you know Goldberg, he'd be like, "Ah, oh, I can't do it." 
Can't for two, do it, my kid. For two fifty grand a shot, oh, he'll do it. Maybe Goldberg will do it. I uh, I think they're planning a, a probably a two or three match series, and uh, I think that there's probably money in Braun chasing for the title. So I think what's going to happen is Braun's going to lose control, maybe power slam through a table, something, and I think he'll get disqualified. That's what I think is going to happen. Isn't that crazy to think now, as a, compared to two years ago? There's money and Braun Strowman chasing for the title. Yeah. Can Do you, you remember, believe it? Remember when he was Adam Rose's lackey? Yeah. I Unbelievable. Do. That's the same guy. Uh, John Cena, Roman Reigns. I, it, it needs to be Reigns. Agreed. It's got to be Reigns. Uh, women's title, Alexa, Sasha, Nia, Emma, Bailey. I would have Emma win it and then lose it the next night to Asuka. That's what I would do. I would have her immediately. I would have her win it and then come out and then Asuka head kicks her like in a week or two or something like that. That's what I would do. I was going to say, Asuka's not medically cleared, I don't think, yet. Well, whenever as soon as she's medically cleared, she kicks Emma in the head and wins the title. That's no, not a bad idea. Because, I... because Asuka is what they wish Nia Jax was. She has the aura of being unbeatable and a monster and dominant. Right. right. Nia Jax doesn't have that, but you can run Alexa Bliss versus Asuka. You can run anybody against Asuka because she has that perfect she has that perfect transition between babyface and like pseudo babyface heel type of thing. Yeah, and you know what would be funny about Emma winning? She was an afterthought on Raw. She wasn't even in the segment. Yeah. You know, like you, you, you would think it was a four-way with the others without her because she well, wasn't she, she wasn't there. She was she was at home in Australia. Why was she at home? Because they did an Australian tour and they let her stay home for a couple. Oh, of they days. let her stay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess nice, good for them. I, I mean, guess. her gimmick is that she tweets, so having a tweet up there, I thought was pretty appropriate mm. for her. Tag team titles, a match that I just could not care any more less about than I do. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose against Sheamus and Cesaro. Yeah, um... Couldn't care less. Sorry to spoil things for you if you all are NXT viewers, but I really thought the Authors of Pain were coming up, and I would have had them be the ones to face Rollins and Ambrose because I look at that division and I'm like, who who do I think that they would have trouble beating? But I would have loved Rollins and Ambrose versus the Authors of Pain. Having Ambrose and Rollins take those two big sons of bitches by the hand and saying... <laughs> Let's have a great match. We see what you've done down there. I think Rollins and Ambrose are going to win. I think they need to keep with this. This is the best stuff for them. Right. Uh, C. Phoenix says they're stale, but they're a lot less stale than they were as singles guys. Yeah, Ambrose was going nowhere as a single. I, I think yeah. that I think that this is Rollins. I think is better than this. Uh, Ambrose, right now, I don't really care. I think Renee Young is the best thing Ambrose has going on right now. Yep. Um, Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Boy, what a Balor fun match that's going to be. It's a shit. I agree. Let's just move on. Cruiserweight title, Neville versus Enzo Amore. Is is Finn Balor's gimmick, like, you know, the the Robert Downey thing, like, from Tropic Thunder? Did you ever see that where, tro where Robert, he played the black guy? Yes. And, like, Finn Balor's thing is that now he's a regular guy. He's a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. That's him right now. And Bray Wyatt just wants him to be the dude when they face each other. Right. I guess that's the situation. I don't know. It's unfortunate. Ever since Finn came back from injury, it's just been a downward spiral for him. It's unfortunate. It's been bad. They, 
Oh my God, Anderson and Gallows as baby faces with Finn Balor. Just give it to me already. Anderson and Gallows come out there and call people nerds, and the crowd wait for it, and they want to call people nerds with Anderson and Gallows. Yeah. And Balor's out there telling stories about goddamn dragons and shit. I don't care. <laughs> I don't they could have Finn Balor out there while Gallows is calling people nerds. They could have Finn Balor playing with Legos in the corner of the ring. Or Something like that. Fawn's collar. He ain't a nerd. <laughs> uh, so the cruiserweight title, Neville Enzo Amore. I think, well, I'll say who should win. Neville should win, but I think Neville or Enzo should put up like a really big fight. The whole thing with Neville has been that he has been laughing at Enzo this whole time. Right. He thinks Enzo is a giant joke. Right. So if he escapes like by the skin of his teeth, I think that puts Enzo over big time. I agree. I think Enzo's going to win it. It almost reminds me of Brock Goldberg the first time when uh, when Brock in the Survivor Series match was, you know, mocking and laughing at Goldberg, didn't consider him a threat until he got caught with a spear. I think I think Neville's probably gonna dominate. I think he's gonna slip on a banana peel and, and Enzo's gonna pull yeah. it off. And and quite frankly, Enzo's been great for the cruiserweight division, I think. You know? Yeah. So uh, and then last but not least, your favorite wrestler uh, challenging for the Intercontinental title, Jason Jordan against the Miz. I've really liked Jason Jordan lately, uh, against Roman Reigns and John Cena. He had some phenomenal matches. I'm sure he'll have a good one with The Miz. I think his, I don't want to say losing streak, he won on Monday, but, I mean, you look at it, and the only guy he's beaten in the last, like, month, month and a half is Bo Dallas or Curtis Axel. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. He's been losing to everybody else. You know, it wouldn't shock me to see Jordan win because I think they're going to position Miz as the greatest intercontinental champion ever type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me down the line if Miz... Not only breaks the reigns, the, the the title reigns record and the cumulative length record, but if they have him actually break, break the single reign record, and that can the cruiserweight championship can be his thing. Mm-hmm. Intercontinental. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Miz, but it wouldn't shock me at all to see Jason Jordan win. I think Jordan's gonna win just because I think they look at it like he was competitive with Reigns, but he's not ready. He was competitive with Cena, but he's not ready. And I think the story is he's not ready for that yet, but he's ready for the Intercontinental title in, in terms of yeah. his positioning. So I think he's going to win, but I think very much like a lot of these other matches, I think it's going to continue. I think that him and Miz will have other matches at other shows. But, Speaking uh, of being ready, you could say that Test and Billy Gunn maybe weren't ready for the pushes they were getting in the WWF in 1999. I spoke to Vince Russo about these rocket ship pushes. Here you go. You know I'm sexy. And then you know I'm sexy. I'm sexy. I'm sexy. I'm sexy. One of the last big shows before you left was SummerSlam 99. You had the Kiss My Ass match with Billy and The Rock. Uh, the Greenwich Street Fight, Test and Shane McMahon. Test and Billy Gunn were a couple of guys who looked like, at that point, right before that, rocket ship. Billy Gunn didn't work out for whatever reason. Shortly thereafter, put with uh, put with put back with Road Dog rather. Test was a guy personally. I thought that Survivor Series. I thought that was him winning the title from Triple H after the the wedding and all that stuff. I thought it was going to be him instead of the Big Show. Why do you think those two guys in particular didn't necessarily work out the way that it looked like they wanted? That's a great question, bro. Bro, I got to tell you, freaking Big Kaz reminds me so much of Test. Test. So, so much of Test. It, it's unbelievable. Bro. Test is extremely underrated. 
and yeah. an extremely underrated in-ring wrestler, body language, a lot of that stuff. Test was really good. Bro, we had Test standing Stephanie McMahon up at the altar. That's where we were going with it. If we would have continued to have Test, we would have. I think we would have made him a bigger star. I, I really believe that because once Triple H married Stephanie, Test was kind of out of the picture. We were going to keep the focus on Test. I think we would have made him a much bigger star. Bro, I got to be honest with you. I can't put my finger on why Billy Gunn was never huge. But, bro, maybe the name has something to do with it. I mean, Billy Gunn. It just doesn't sound like the name of yeah. a star. Bro, this guy, and I say this every interview. Well, you all I tried do. to change it to Mr. Ass for a while. <laughs> well, Vince, that was Vince. You know, Vince with the ass play. Vince loves that crap, bro. That was all Vince. But, bro, I say this all the time. Billy Gunn was the best athlete I ever worked with, ever. All He's around still working. Yeah. He was working. He worked Hiroshi Tanahashi on the yes. New Japan show a couple Bro, weeks ago. Bro, the greatest athlete. And I'm not just talking about wrestling. I'm talking about basketball, rodeo, football. This guy was a great athlete, looked like a million bucks. Promos, very underrated in my opinion. But I don't know what it was, bro. I, I'd love to talk to him about that and see what he thinks. I, I don't know, bro. Maybe he thinks it was the way he was booked. But, you know, New Age Outlaws were pretty over. But the thing about that was yeah. Brian James was so great on the mic that no matter how good Billy was, he wasn't going to be as good as Brian. You know what I mean? An embarrassment of riches. Yeah. But he, he bro, the guy had it all. I, I mean, had it all. Billy Gunn was a guy that I didn't think got enough credit. He would always add to his repertoire, too. Like, a lot of guys like that, they could they could settle for kick, stomp, punch, hit your finish. But he was always adding something to it. Right. right. I mean, he, he was doing the jackhammer, like, in 99, 2000, stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think that that name, that them not change – I mean, well, they tried to change it to Mr. Ass, but Billy Gunn – and a lot of people still they, – they had the Bart connotation – that and you know the scary thing, Vince, and it's something you alerted me of. Bart's bigger than Billy right now, physically. Oh, Bart's, Bart's, Bart's ridiculous, Billy. ridiculous, bro. Ridiculous. I, I he, saw him a couple of years ago. Yeah, people talk oh, about the shape that God. Billy's in. Bart's even bigger today. Yeah, crazy, unbelievable, bro. You know, you know, maybe this had something to do with it. You know, first of all, you know, it was Billy Gunn. So, yeah, you still had the smoking guns. Bro, maybe this had something to do with it. His real name was Kip Sop. So yeah. you, you're not going to change it to that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You're not going to be, you know, Kip Sop. I don't know, bro. Maybe it was something in the name, but he definitely had all the tools, man. I remember reading about him in one of the old black and white, like, pro wrestling insider or Pete, pro wrestling illustrated, and it said, Kip Sop, and I'm like, what a trash name that is. Who gave him that name? <laughs> exactly. Ten year old kid, Vince. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Stupid name. Yeah, you couldn't go with Kip Sop. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. We're back. Okay. Just, just want to say, Jimmy, Vince, put me over through the entire filming for my great questions. Yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, good for you. That's so uh, that's how it works. That's how, that's how it works. Let's let's talk about me a little bit more about how great I am at interviewing people. So in two thousand four, when, when I turn the recorder on. Yeah, exactly. When when you actually <laughs> when you actually record the interview in two thousand four, yeah. when I was still running JimmyVan.com, my old site, uh, Test and Matt Bloom had both had both been released from WWE at that time, 
And I interviewed Matt Bloom one week, and then I interviewed Test a week or two later. And you know that in real life they were best friends at the time. And uh, Matt Bloom, I couldn't say enough good stuff about him. He was he was so kind and accommodating. We talked for like two hours. After that, for the next year probably, he would send me emails to say like Happy Birthday and Merry Christmas and just a really good guy. Uh, when I interviewed Matt Bloom, I dug up a lot of uh, stuff from you know that he wasn't expecting, stuff from like college and stuff like that. So then when I interviewed Test, Matt had told Test, you know, be prepared kind of thing. And yeah. before we before we rolled tape, Test said to me, he goes, what kind of, you know, deep, dark shit are you going to be bringing up? Oh, and, wow. And, yeah, and I said to him, don't worry, man. I'm not one of those scandalous type of guys. I'm not going to yeah. chop you with any bullshit questions. And we ended up talking for quite a while, too. That was I was telling you off the air, that was not long after he got heat because him and Stacey Keebler missed a taping due to yes. a blizzard. Uh, and they got a lot of heat, and he was very candid in telling me about it. Uh, and and he was he was good to speak to. Tess was a good guy from from what I knew of him. Uh, and back to the Billy Gunn thing, you and Russo were questioning how come Billy Gunn never got over as a main eventer. So my opinion, number one, promo work wasn't very good. Number two, my opinion, the fans perceived him as a tag team wrestler. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why he didn't get over. They gave him a shot with The Rock, and if you're not going to get over with The Rock, then you don't deserve to be a, a top-level single star, right? So that's why I think it didn't happen for him. Also, we talked about Bart Gunn, who much a much larger human than Billy these days. I tried to track him down for that Brawl for All feature that I did, and uh, it didn't seem like he wanted to talk. So, Oh, really? Yeah, that was no. that. But yeah, yeah. That, I remember the, the Albert and Test uh, releases because 2004 and 2005 seemed like the first years that WWE just – did massive cuts if you remember right. like right. Gail Kim and Nydia and all these people were getting cut at the same time and then I remember there was like like that period where just everybody was going Jackie Gaeta, uh Matt Morgan Don Marie Kenzo Suzuki uh the Dudleys Maven like they were just they're like canning all these people and it's not like today where they're letting like a lot of those guys had a lot of upside like, they right. don't generally fire guys with a ton of upside. They fire guys who eventually, like like Juice Robinson, C.J. Parker. Right. Who would have known? Right. I mean, these days it's usually like a Cody Rhodes saying, you know what, I think I can make things better off outside WWE. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was – I always was intrigued by that time. Yeah, I think it was cost-cutting at the time. It was. I mean, they they were as profitable then as they are now with the rice fees and all that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about independent promoters. Yeah. So, um, Chelsea Green, who is Laurel Van Ness in uh, Global Force Wrestling, she posted a tweet. No, 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 she's not. Global Force Wrestling is Impact Wrestling now. Fine. Impact Wrestling. She posted a tweet directed at independent promoters, and she said, No, you cannot pay me what you think is fair. As you do with all male talent, ask me my price or negotiate or don't book me. She said an indie promoter offered her 50 bucks. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I will say about that, she's right in that the promoter should negotiate. The promoter should yes. be hitting her up, especially if it's the promoter soliciting her as opposed to her soliciting the promoter. She, they should definitely be asking her what her price is and trying to negotiate from there. One thing I will say, though, and I know this from experience, 50 bucks can be a good day on the independents. Uh, and I, I couldn't help but think when I read that story, I couldn't help but think of Tony Jones. Yeah. Remember Tony Jones? I do remember Tony Jones, the guy on Beyond the Mat. Beyond the Mat. 
worked for Roland Alexander, was brought in and was told by Jim Ross, get something a little more flattering upstairs. And he said Roland never paid him. He said we well, would do these. He said we would do these Jim War shows, and we wouldn't get paid. Uh, and Roland Alexander, because promoters are promoters sometimes. Roland Alexander said, "Oh, they're paid well and they're happy." And and then Tony Jones was like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, they don't pay for those Jim War shows." Uh, yeah, I think I told you the story. I don't know if I told the story on the air about when uh, Jim Neidhart wanted to go drive around a town looking for a promoter that that canceled the show. Yeah, so. That's what you oftentimes deal with, with with any promoters. I remember another occasion when a guy on a show was given 20 bucks for gas, and then they asked him to blade on the show, and they said if he did it, he'd get another 20 bucks. Yes. That's what you sometimes deal with. So when I saw Chelsea Green's uh, tweet, not a surprise, because you get that a lot. And like I said, 50 bucks, uh, depending on the promotion, 50 bucks is a good day. That's just the... 50 bucks is not a good day when you have about a over almost two years of national television exposure despite how small it is mm. they care they thought she was going to bring people in enough to reach out to her and like they were going to have to set something up I mean like you don't reach out to somebody that you just don't think is going to fit on your show unless you're desperate like if you're desperate Chelsea Green ain't the girl you're going to reach out to like I think like, I think they brought her in thinking she was going to be cheap yeah, or, I think they reached out to her thinking she was going to be cheap. My commentary booking fee is more than that. Like right. that's fifty bucks. Yeah, fifty bucks. Like so, I I imagine if they're paying her fifty bucks, hotel and trans isn't covered. And I often wonder. Like I even asked Matt Riddle this on our old podcast. I'm like, how do these places afford you, Matt? Mm-hmm. How do they afford to fly you overseas mm-hmm. and put you in a hotel and all that stuff? How do they get a return? And he straight up said a lot of those places will kind of work together to make it easier. That way it's a little bit cheaper all around. That way I'm not getting flown over for one show. I'm getting flown over for like 10 or 11 shows. Yeah. yeah. I mean so, I, worked with, I worked with Scott DeMore in the past when yeah. when a guy like Jim Duggan was going to come in, but he wanted a full weekend, and I hit up DeMore. And DeMore said, well, I'll tell you what. You cover his – whatever it was. You cover his flight, and I'll cover half his booking, whatever, whatever deal we had yeah. made. So that's that's common. That stuff happens, right? And um, I, 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 when I wrestle, I usually like to wrestle like charity shows and stuff like that, and I do that for free. And I've been right. offered money, but I ain't on TV every week. I'm not on Impact. You're wrestling. on. You're on, on YouTube, enough. man. Like yeah, three, four true. days a week. I wasn't on Tough Enough. Fifty bucks. Think about this. Say the place is an hour away from where she lives. Mm-hmm. That's about you know. Probably ten dollars in gas right off the top, if she because she's probably driving there. Yeah, she's got to eat before and after the show. We'll say seven fifty each meal, being super generous because mm-hmm. I get the feeling looking at her, she ain't eating off the dollar menu. Mm-hmm. She's probably got to eat something that's a little healthier for her. That's fifteen bucks before and after the show. That's twenty five of the fifty dollars right off the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Do you Come remember on, Tracy? Man. You remember Tracy Brooks? Yeah, I remember Tracy Brooks. So Tracy Brooks, I booked her on shows back in the day. She's another Ontario girl. And uh, and I'll never forget the first time that I ever booked her, when it was time for the payoffs, yeah. Tracy Brooks was gone. And uh, and I said to somebody, uh, she hasn't got her payoff yet. And they said, oh, I think she's just walking to her car. And I was like, go get her. And they went and got her, and she comes in, and I go, you forgot your payoff. She looks up, and she goes, oh, my God, you mean you're an honest promoter? Oh, wow. That's what she said. Because it... I guess it just didn't cross your mind. Maybe she was used to being screwed on small yeah. shows. I don't know. 
But, but I mean, you know, uh, you know you're going to have a lot of people, a lot of dumb people that are saying, well, she's paying her dues. All right, she's been wrestling for three and a half years. She's young in the business, sure. She trained under Lance Storm. I get mm-hmm. the feeling Lance Storm is making sure she's paid her dues. And I'm sure he's taught her the business end as well. Hell yeah. Lance I'm Storm's sure not has. stupid. He's not stupid. My dude, so my dude uh, Brian Pillman Jr. went up to train there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Very Storm, happy for Storm's him. a solid guy. He's a solid guy. What do you think of uh, the Dustin Rhodes situation? So there's a lot to the Dustin Rhodes situation because there's the Cody Rhodes situation. There's the Starcade situation. There's a lot to this. With Starcade coming up, they, you know, they announced that house show. It's just yeah, to sell whatever. some tickets, just That's as Cody is. Rhodes said. That's what it is. I would legitimately work something out where you could run Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes against the Hardy Boys. I would do that in a heartbeat. I would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. They should. Yeah, they will. They should, and they should put the match on YouTube or whatever the hell they can to get it out there. If Dustin Rhodes is ever going to be over as Dustin Rhodes, it'll be right now. Because he Mm -hmm. wasn't ever before. I mean, a little bit in WCW, but not really. But as I pointed out, this was the first time he wrestled as Dustin Rhodes in WWF since January of 1991. What? Yes. No, no, no. He wrestled no. as he wrestled as Dustin Runnels several times. Oh, not as <laughs> okay. Dustin Rhodes. Okay, it's okay. Technicality. All right, all right. That is a that is a technicality. Yes. I, uh, you know, I about this situation. When his back was to the camera, it was pretty clear to me he didn't have the face paint on because why? Otherwise, why is he looking at a movie poster or whatever the hell that was on the wall? Uh, I, I question him. Why wouldn't he be looking at a movie? Poster? I suppose. I suppose. The first thing I questioned is why are you in the goldest getup if if you're there as Dustin Rhodes? Um, and I still don't know why they gave up on the heel turn with our truth. I mean, they, there was no explanation. They just gave up on it. I think if they had have given that a legitimate shot, meaning with the robe, with the wig, and give him a valet of some sort, if they had have really given that a legitimate shot, he had a chance. To and st- and to the tiptoeing the line, the thing. What, which, what the thing that, and it's something I brought up when I spoke, uh, when I spoke to my people today. I said, okay, so Vince McMahon's willing to go there with Jinder Mahal. He's willing to go there in promos with Roman Reigns saying bitch and uh, ass and all that stuff, but he wouldn't go there with the new Goldust character. And they just said, well, there was never really any plan to go that far with the Goldust character these days. Right. Like they, they weren't going to, push the envelope the way they used to because of the, the the social climate. And I said, the Jinder Mahal thing happened last night. Right. It's been happening. So I don't know. Right. There's a lot of odd stuff there. Now, I saw that Dustin posted on Twitter after he lost to Bray Wyatt again. He said something like, we'll meet again on Twitter. Where can they go now? I mean, he's just got beat twice by Bray Wyatt. Clean. It'll be Dustin Runnels. Uh, uh, can you imagine? Is that what they're going to do? Black Rain. Right, right. Who was seven. the guy? Who was the guy that floated? Seven. Was that seven? Seven. Okay, okay. Maybe that's what they're gonna do. I don't know. Um, last thing on my list, I want to give a shout out to Ric Flair right here. I saw yeah. a clip on uh, People TV today. He is on the mend. He says he'll never drink again. Uh, he says that Charlotte was told to say her goodbyes because they didn't think he was gonna make it, and he's hoping to uh, turn this into a motivational speaking kind of gig or, or side career. Um, good for him, man. He, he was looking a little rough. He was looking like he, you know, he's a little beat up from everything that happened, as you would expect. 
but glad yeah. that he pulled glad that he pulled through and the guy can still talk he can still talk as, as good as he ever did he looks like he aged as, as we talked about off air he, he the situation aged him and I mean, it was a rough situation it yeah. was a very rough situation and thankfully he made it out and thankfully he sees how serious the situation was and I hope for the best for him uh, we have an article on that up on fightful.com also worth checking out guys Brandon Howard wrote an article called Wrestling is More Political Than Politics about the Jinder Mahal situation. I have my notes, match ratings, things like that for SmackDown and Raw up on the site. I'll have them up for No Mercy as well. I give an out of 10 rating, stuff like that. Also tonight, uh, a feature from Carlos Toro. Where did Triple G and Canelo go from here? I believe the newsletter will be up tomorrow morning. And as always, Fightful.com. I, I counted up. We've had over like 100, 150 interviews in our first, like, since 2016, an insane number. Go check those out. Mm -hmm. Use the forums. All you got to do is start a forum topic and head over to our contest thing, and you can be entered to win that action figure, that uh, Ric Flair's Defining Moments figure. But we got a big, big weekend coming up. And uh, also, throughout the week, we always update uh, confirmed contract expiration dates and our injury report. The only place you can find that online is Fightful.com. And if you like that thing with Rusev on SmackDown, when uh, when uh, I can't remember who it was, might have been Renee Young that said he was elated, and he he yells out, "What does that mean?" Remember yes. That? If you that like that, phenomenal. if you like that, go back and look up a clip from the Slammy Awards when Vince McMahon was doing an award. It might have been months. No, it was McMahon and Nikolai Volkov thought he won. Go back and look up that clip. Ah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I I, I vaguely remember it. Okay, go look it up because when I saw Rusev's thing, that's exactly the, that's the first thing I thought of. Look up when Nikolai Volkov thought he won a Slammy. Did you ever hear Bruce Pritchard's story about how everybody, like Vince and Owen and everybody, like when they spilled the drink on Vader at the Slammys, it was a rib on Vader and he didn't know? I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love – they should put together like a little Slammys documentary. I can't believe they haven't done that for the network yet. Like there's probably – there's got to be some interesting stories there. It was fun back then. The show was good yeah. back then. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Anything else, Jimmy Van? That's all I got, man. Looking forward to Braun versus Brock. That'll be a good matchup. Me too. That's, that's going to be a big show. We've got shows all weekend long, Saturday and Sunday night. Make sure you tune in. Leave us a thumbs up. That stuff really helps. Subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and, of course, visit Fightful.com. I appreciate all of your support. Uh, share our stories, all that good stuff. It really helps as we're still a growing site. But, guys, until next time, we are out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.